Hey folks, welcome to the Motorcyclist Podcast. Joining us today is a very, very interesting and talented fella from the realm of professional dirt bike racing. Ryan Dungey, seven-time Supercross and Motocross champ. Welcome. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being here today. A uh, little known fact about Ryan and I, we're from the same home state, Minnesota. That's right. Good old Minnesota. So yeah, starting to warm up here. It's getting nice. You'd like it. You think so? Is it, is it spring sprung, springing? Yeah. Yeah. It's starting to warm up. Um, kind of got out of the cold. And when I say warm up, I mean high 60s or, you know, low 70s. But it's uh, it's definitely a nice time of year. Things are blooming. So it's, uh, yeah, it's enjoyable. Awesome, man. Awesome. I'm glad you're enjoying springtime over there. You know, like Minnesota is just, it's such a beautiful place. And when the weather's nice, because the weather is not nice for so many months out of the year, when it's <laughs> yeah. nice, it's especially sweet. Yep. Yeah, you got that right. All right, man. Well, seven-time Supercross and Motocross champ, you had quite the racing career. Do you want to talk a little, little bit? How did you get into motorcycling? Oh, I mean, uh, I guess the, from the very beginning, uh, my dad got us into it, really. He he grew up racing, um, you know, prior to us being born and meeting my mom, he, he raced growing up and, uh, he got into it pretty late, but he actually raced at, uh, at the amateur level and he'd go, he'd, he'd actually went to Loretta lens. Like, I think it was the first years they, they were having it. I want to say it was like 82 and 83. So he just had a passion for it, I, I think. And, you know, I, you know, some years later here, you know, he's married, has us kids, you know, and I think me and my brother, I was about four or five at the time. My older brother was probably five or six. So, um, he's a couple years older than me, but my dad got us a little PW 50 kind of like, Hey, let's see if these guys take a liking to this. You know, we lived out in the country and right away we, we loved it, you know, and that turned into us getting both of, we'd each got it, got our own bikes. And then my little brother was born and we all had bikes and that turned into going to the races on the weekends. And we played all the other ball and stick sports, you know, and we did that for a while, but we just kind of always gravitated towards the dirt bike. And, you know, then we had the camper and we'd gone every single weekend hitting amateur nationals. And it was, uh, yeah, it was quite a, quite a sacrifice and investment of time for my parents for sure. But definitely, uh, yeah, super thankful. And, um, yeah. And then, you know, just, I think at an early age, I seen it on TV. I was watching Dallas Supercross. I remember and it was like 97. <laughs> I was watching it through the TV and I just like, I remember that moment. Like, that's what I want to do, you know? And like, and so seven, eight years old, whatever that was, that was kind of always like, this is what I, you know, the, the dream that was, we were chasing after it. And, and um, you know, thankfully things worked out really well and um, had a good career and good 11 years, which, which was, which was awesome. And, Gosh, my, my career was more than I could have ever dreamed of or imagined, really, honestly. Yeah, but ret retired in 17 now, and it's been about three, four years. So just, yeah, just uh, some really good times, a lot of good relationships, good memories with the family, with friends, people. I mean, it's just, um, yeah, lots of good times. Yeah, I mean, in your career, I mean, I, I don't want to say this like in a bad way, but you almost kind of came out of nowhere, and then you just you just your accession to the top was just so fast dude no you're you're right i mean i definitely my amateur career wasn't stellar by any means so not i really wasn't a name that many people knew when it came time when i came to the professionals and and getting the opportunity that i did 
you know, Roger, Roger DeCoster signed me at, at 16 years old. And I think a lot of people kind of thought, um, and they had the right to, you know, like, man, how, how does this guy get that? And how does he get a ride like this? And he hasn't really done much, but, but at the same time, it's like, you know what, I got a, I got a break in life and I, I really need to take advantage of this. And so, um, it was really hard in the beginning there, just turning pro and trying to adapt and the speed, the talent, the, you know, the competition and everything. It, but, but I just was, you know, I was really focused on, um, applying myself and, you know, not wasting the, the, the gift that I was given or the, the opportunity. And so just, you know, I think at an early age, knowing, you know, the financial pressure that it put on my family that I, I needed to, to do something with this and then getting this opportunity to turn pro with Suzuki and didn't go great at first, but we were able to kind of get things together pretty quickly, which, which was good and, um, and, and start kind of getting some, some good results. And so, um, yeah, just, I just didn't want to waste it. And I knew that every single, you know, I, I tried to approach it with the mentality of like, you know, live every day like it's your last and, you know, you got to make the most of the opportunity. And a lot of, a lot of people, honestly, the motivation that a lot of people have given a lot of things up for you to be where you are right now. And I, I didn't want to waste that either. And so I just wanted to make sure that I applied myself the best that I could and, um, and, and, and try to, um, get the most out of it as far as just, you know, results and, you know, using my influence and, and, um, uh, and just, just, just bettering the sport in general. Awesome, man. Awesome. You know, out of your 11 professional years racing, you know, obviously you raced all over the world and won championships all over the world. What was some of the most notable racing moments where, you know, you look back at it and think about something you're like, wow, that was, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'm gosh. sure there's a lot, I'm sure there's a lot, oh, yeah. but you know, yeah, I'm trying to sort, I mean, thankfully there's yeah, good. I'm glad there's a lot, but yeah, there was, I, I mean, I'd have to probably say all the firsts, right? Like the first win on the 250, the first one on the 450, those like when you did it and you dreamed of it and it's happened and you're like, wow it like it came true you know and then the first championships right the first 250 supercross championship the outdoor uh 450 championships um winning the designations like those those are all the those moments of you know each moment you know as you go through everything it's, it's definitely tough but but there's usually a goal that you're you're going after whether it's a specific championship or a specific race like a motocross of nation nations where it's a you know kind of a weekend deal and and when you accomplish what you set out to do, um, it's just like, yeah, it's an unbelievable feeling. And and there's so many things that go into it, making it happen, right? The the work, the the hard work, and the people, the effort of of everybody's part, and the years that it took to get there, right? So it's just like, I mean, all of those moments, and you, it's kind of they were so surreal, like they were, like pinch me like it, it, like i don't want to wake up from this dream I, I hope i'm not gonna wake up from a dream so to speak right so um i think that was um you know those were the ones that really stuck out and and being able to you know experience those moments with that your your team whether it was your really close circle or your team of people around you to to you know that everybody put towards helping you get there to experience it all together that that was it was just special i mean going to different countries and yeah just it's just um yeah really really moments that i'll never forget just just truly stick out yep yep who is like your tough 
one of your toughest competitors where you look back like that guy jeez oh. louise that guy was just oh the bane of my existence sometimes yeah that's that's easy that was that was ryan villapoto <laughs> he just i just felt like obviously he was stellar as an amateur awesome he just a per, amazing professional career but he was he was just a tough competitor. He was tough mentally, uh, physically, um, you know, when he really, you know, I guess too, when he really applied himself, even on the 450 and, you know, and two, when he got, I mean, hired Eldon and 2011 on those four years that he just went on a tear, it just was, he was hard to beat. He just always had that edge and, and you could never gain that mental edge over him. He just, he would come back stronger and fight you even harder. So, but it was good. You know, it's, um, He's a good guy. We always showed a lot of respect to each other. He was fun to race. He was always clean. Yeah, Villapoto, he was definitely the toughest. Interesting, interesting. Now, you retired a little bit. I'm not going to say early. There's plenty of people that, that retire at 27, I think you were. Yep. But why did you choose to go out then and not keep going? I mean, <clears throat> arguably, you were still, You. I mean, you won, You just won that Supercross championship. You were already at the top of the spectrum. You know, why was 27 the, the time, you think? Um, you know, definitely a lot of factors, I think, as far as the way I kind of saw it. If you look at it from a, I don't know, a mountain standpoint, like I feel like I was, as far as the performance and everything that I had worked towards to better myself, my riding, my technique, my race craft, all these things, I, you know, I, I was at that, that, I was, you know, at my, at my height, right? Yep, and, yep. And I, I kind of sensed, you know, mentally I was starting to get pretty tired. It was, you know, you, you know, I was starting to kind of realize I was almost kind of maybe going down, down the mountain, right? Like, wow, dude. I, and I kind of hit my, hit my point. And, and, you know, I just, I, I needed to make a decision, um, at the end of the day, you know, when, when the, the thing about racing dirt bikes is that at any level, if your heart's not in it, it's not to say if your heart's not in it, but if you're mentally not there and you're tired and you're, you know, you're the, if you're burnt out, anybody who knows this, who, who's raced like it, you, and that focus isn't there on the track. And that, that's where it just becomes a little bit more dangerous. There's a little bit more risk because you're not all there. You're not focused completely. You're not sharp. And, and so kind of all these things that I was sensing, you know, just, just with like, you know, I, I knew that day was going to come and a guy that I used to train with, uh, Johnny O'Mara, mm -hmm. he always told me, he said that candle, once that candle goes out, you know, that, that candle is going to burn. And, and once that goes out, like you're, you're going to know. And I never really understood that until towards the end of my career, it just, it starts to go out and, you know, you get older and, you know, I, I think thankfully I'd had a lot, I accomplished a lot more than I expected. And so trying to find new motivation was, was kind of hard, but I guess I, I also knew that my mind was kind of getting foggy and it just was getting dangerous out there for, for me. And so I also didn't want to stick around to, I couldn't live with being that second, third, fourth place guy. I just, that, that would, I knew that would tear me up so much. And, and totally. And if I went that route, right. It, if, if I did sign another year, it was only going to be to, to make more money. And it was like, I, I can't do that. And so I know it was a great position to be in. Don't get me wrong. People probably think like, how could you not sign it? Like who cares? Just, but that's, that's just not, it's just not the way I, I couldn't, I couldn't live with myself doing it like that. And so just, just knowing like it's time and, and having to, having to, uh, ex having to make that choice and knowing, knowing when enough's enough, that's a hard choice. I, I, I mean, it's still, I look back and 
there's so many factors that come at play, but yeah, just, I also, there was other things I wanted to do too. And, and, um, yeah, I was, I, I had to, I had to move forward. So yeah, it just, just was tough. It was a tough decision, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, uh, it's, that's kind of, if you look at a lot of retired guys, it's kind of that, I think I was one of the maybe fourth or fifth oldest to win a championship. If that tells you, it's like, I was, I mean, the oldest person to win a supercross title, I want to say was McGrath and, I don't know the exact age, but it was like 28 or, you know, so it's, it's, it's kind of funny. Like that's kind of the tipping point for guys who start to go, go the other way. Right. So if that makes sense. No, dude, I, I really, I it makes total sense. And I really appreciate your candor. It's cool, man. We get it. Yeah. So I you, appreciate that. you retire, you know, you're still a young man, 27 years old, still in the prime time of your, of your adult life. What happened after retirement? What have you been, what's been going on? Are you, are you a dad now? Like, how's your family? What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Actually that was, I would have to say post-racing, that was one of the things that I looked forward to most me and Lindsay for that matter. It's just having, having children and you know, we, we took our time, of course, like we couldn't, you know, once we finished racing, we, we, we moved back to Minnesota. Um, you know, some other things came into place and then, you what know, city? what city, city are you guys residing in? Uh, we're in Chanhassen. Nice, nice, so, nice. West yeah, side, right? Yep. yep. Great. Great. Yep. And, uh, but yeah, so we got, we moved back and everything good. And then, you know, um, we started planning, got, got the house situated, all this good stuff. And then, you know, started, you know, trying for kids. And thankfully we, we were able to have Harper in, uh, June 14th of, uh, 2019. Awesome. So she, yeah. She's coming up on two years. So that, that's been a joy. It just, yeah, I mean, obviously COVID hit and th- you know, we've been indoors a lot. This was, you know, over a year ago now, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's been awesome. You know, we're in a very blessed position and being able to spend the time with each other that we got to and watching her grow. And it's just, uh, yeah. So been just really enjoying that part of life too. I, I'd have to say it's really enjoying being a dad. Absolutely. That's awesome. So what's a, what's a typical uh, day consist of for the Dungey family nowadays. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's 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 pretty mellow. You know, it's uh, we get up in the morning and uh, we have our coffee. Uh, me and Lynn's, you know, we sit there and, and and Harper gets up shortly after that, and she's got a pretty full schedule. Though we, you know, some days it's she's got dance, some days she's got swimming, some days she's got gymnastics. Um, what else? She's got a thing that she goes to called my gym. It's so she she's actually a pretty busy girl, which is which is cool. So. We're usually kind of chauffeuring her and around, getting her to where she needs to be. Lindsay more so, I should say. (laughs) Um, And I I started a coffee company. It's called RD Coffee. So I take care of a bunch of the emails and get everything dialed in, make sure everything's running good there and pretty much oversee that. You know, with the afternoons, if we don't got anywhere to be, no travels or commitments or nothing like that, you know, we we usually try to try to get outside and uh, whether it's bike rides or go to the park or, you know, stuff like that, hang with Harper. So it's it's pretty... uh, it's pretty much uh, revolves around little Harper girls, so yeah, for the most part. Awesome, man! Awesome. Yeah. So you have your own coffee company now, RD Coffee. Tell tell us about this. I do. Yeah, I I uh, coffee was one of the things I was always passionate about. You know, kind of got my first cup. Uh, you know, started drinking some coffee when I was about sixteen, seventeen. Some friends introduced me to it, and I know it just always kind of grew on me from there. And I I just always enjoyed my coffee and for one reason or another, it just, it was one of those things. We, 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 had, we got to travel a lot, which was really cool. Me and my wife and, you know, it became our little ritual thing to, to go to coffee shops, little one-off specialty coffee shops where they'd roast their own coffee and stuff like that. And 
I just always found it really fascinating. You know, a lot of things like what, what makes a, what, what makes one cup of coffee better than another, you know, and yeah, man, like the roasting process, you know, there, there's all kinds of roasting process. Why, why is, you know, there's, uh, there's, um, you know, there, there's so many methods you can choose from. And, and so I had friends who, who are also into coffee. And so, you know, going to get a cup of coffee to chit chat, to meet up, to hang out at the races, the, the team, everybody drank coffee. And it just, I don't think people thought I liked it so much. I would have started a coffee company. <laughs> I, I honestly, I started planning this stuff out in 2010 and, and it was something I wanted to do since then. I didn't pursue it till after my racing career, but it's uh it's it's been awesome and it's um you know i i jumped right in did all the research learning a lot about it still am um but yeah we roast small batch specialty coffees and we got you know it's all online direct to consumer we are in some dealerships across the country but it's uh we got about four four roasts in our lineup we're working on a fifth one now and um it's 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 been pretty cool because the the racing community the motocross community everybody has uh, received it really well and been hugely supportive. And yeah, we're, we're, we're just about coming up on a year now that since we, since I launched it. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's actually post racing, you know, I got into a lot of other things and some investment stuff, but as far as starting a business, um, that's something I always wanted to do. And so, you know, here, here we are and, and, um, going, so it's good. Now, you know, dude, I, I, I love coffee. You know, I just bought an espresso machine the other day. So I'm just like, I'm just over caffeinated right now and very happy. But what, <laughs> what, what's, what's, I'm kind of a novice when it comes to actually like the technical details about coffee and the roasting and stuff. Yep. What is yep. like the thing that sets your, your coffee grade, the RD coffee brand, apart from like just other coffee, like Starbucks ground coffee you buy at, at like the store? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always try to keep it simple for people to understand. But from starting where the we source the beans, so we we source specialty coffee. And what specialty coffee is? It's it's just the highest grade of coffee you can buy, and okay. uh, you know it's organic. Um, and, and so sourcing it from regions that they have to meet a certain standard to to become specialty coffee. Um, so so that's what we source. Uh, and, 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 and then the next point is the, the roasting process, um, you know, being able to, when we do small batch roasting, um, you, you really maintain the integrity and the quality of the coffee. Now we, we only, we only roast about 15 pounds at a time. And so we're able to, you know, evenly distribute the, the heat through the coffee beans and get, you know, get that consistency, uh, each and every single time. And so, um, but, but it's the, it's the profile as well. That's really important that basically a lot of people say, well, I like a light roast, right. Or a medium roast or a dark roast. Well, we try it. What, what our goal is, is to, you know, whatever, depending on what origin it is and just really trying to find that point in the roasting process where we bring out the notes and the, the aromas and the flavors from that bean and making sure it's balanced and smooth and not too acidic, making sure all these details. So, so we're roasting it to, to bring out the best results of each of them. So, so it goes to that point. And then, um, you know, then, then from there, just, you know, just the bagging and every step of the process. But, but I think that was the one thing when I started the cop, the, the coffee company, no matter how much, how big it grows. And I just always never want us to really sacrifice that, you know, that quality and integrity of the coffee and just, just making sure that, you know, that's the, at the forefront of it, Where- of it all. So, where does the roasting actually take place and where do the actual beans come from? Yep. So the beans, the beans can come from, gosh, we got beans from Guatemala. We got beans from uh, Brazil. 
um, geez, um, the latest, uh, the latest one working on is a Peru. Great. So, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're roasted all over, but, uh, initially, uh, initially I was doing the, um, I started, I, you're going to probably laugh, but I, I, I started in the garage. I built out the garage really nice, uh, my garage and, uh, I did a really nice deal and I was in there for about two months and I realized I'm not going to be able to keep up with roasting this. coffee so, in your garage. Uh, yeah, I, I people might laugh, but I was dude. That's awesome. Myself. No man, yeah. DIY, dude, DIY. Yeah, yeah. So it was. I I got the roasters, the whole nine, and was doing the whole you know the bagging process and you name it. But I had to. I you know with 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 the the demand, I had to get it. I figure out another solution. So I actually um, had a good friend of mine who who has a roasting facility, and so being able to. Uh, one, I wanted to be make sure I could oversee things as I outsource the roasting process of it uh and just being able to be in tune with like all the origins and the roasting processes the profiles all that stuff so i very much get to manage and oversee it but now we have a roasting partner who handles the, the roasting side of things but but again that's that's a, a piece of it i get to oversee yeah is that still in minnesota no no it's actually in tennessee okay gotcha yep cool. yep cool man uh how would folks you know how would could folks try or purchase or how would they be able to pour some of your brew in their cup in the morning yep so um you can you can find it uh at rd coffees with an s.com um so you can go in there and online and you know it's it's pretty fast shipping ship to order so basically you put your order in it's roasted fresh and shipped to your front door uh we got all their merchandise as well and uh, and then we also have a blog with a bunch of roasting. Um, we have a bunch of uh, brew methods that um, that you can look through and sort. You know, whether it's a French press, espresso, uh, drip, all the ratios and everything you name it. So just trying to keep it easy and simple for for people to understand. Yeah, yeah you guys have a subscription service too. That's handy. We do. Yep. Yep. So that's just, you know you um, you can pick any roast every any twelve ounce bag and you know, order interval timing, uh, you name it and, um, you know, get it weekly, you know, every other week, three weeks, four weeks. So yeah, pretty, pretty good system. What, what is your favorite blend right now? Oh man, I, I do like them all, but if I had to, if I had to pick one right now, I'm, I, uh, I kind of go in waves, but right now I've been hitting the, uh, the espresso pretty, pretty hard with the whole shot. Yep. 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 And, um, I thought you were going to say that. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of been my go-to the last uh, about the last month. But I but I also go back and forth between the uh, the drip machine using the uh, the always. So those those two. But I mean, gosh, I I kind of I rotate honestly as well. Sometimes I like the uh, accelerate uh, roast in the uh, I use that in the espresso machine as well. Um, yeah, yeah. What, just what's your preferred way to make coffee at home? You know, I'm sure you have a couple of different apparatus type machines but what what do you like to use right now right now um i got the i got a breville espresso machine so that that's uh, pretty standard you know you put the coffee in you can do a single or a double mm-hmm. um and usually out of that i i uh, i do an americano that, that's kind of been something i've been going to and then the other piece i got a uh, barazza burr grinder um and using a, a mocha master drip coffee machine so just a basically a drip coffee machine with um um, with always. Yep. So grind it and, and put it in fresh. Awesome, man. Yep. I like to run the same program right now. It's just, it's crazy how good those espresso machines are, especially if you grind your coffee just right. Yeah, it is. It is. It, and all the adjustability that you have and you're able to fine tune it in a little bit here and there. And you can, uh, you can become a, 
a barista pretty uh, a good one pretty quick yep yep nice man well we also know that charity and you know helping people out and helping kids out is a big part of your ethos do you want to yeah. talk to us a little bit about saint saint jude and how's that charity going for you guys yeah absolutely i um gosh saint saint jude you know holds a special place in my heart um i i had a grandmother who passed away from cancer back in um 2005 you know and that was a pretty painful experience and you know i think in that from that point forward it, or one of my goals was just to do everything that i can whether it was holding events, raising money, um, foundation, you name it, trying to, trying to raise money for, for St. Jude in the hospital. I actually, why I picked St. Jude is I got an opportunity to go visit there, um, early on in my racing career. And I just, just being there and touring the hospital, seeing everything, you know, the kids, just how well taken care of the kids were and, you know, special, you know, their, their treatments were special tailored to, to them specifically. And, and even from, a you know, from the, the parents' side, they didn't have to pay for, you know, they didn't pay for food, housing, treat. They didn't pay for anything. Everything was taken care of, which from St. Jude, which was amazing. And mm -hmm. so I just, from that day forward, I was like, you know what, if we, this is the place I want to support. And, um, we did start a ride back in 2012 and, you know, we, that, that's been an ongoing thing every single year. COVID kind of changed things up a little bit with it last year, um, having to go virtual, but, Overall, we've we've raised a lot of good money, and the, just the the place is amazing. The organization is just amazing, and the people are involved with it. And it's just the I don't know racing. I've always tried to keep things in perspective. Racing was was great, right? But at the end of the day, kids are fighting for their lives with cancer. You know, they're fighting for their lives because of diseases and cancer and stuff like that. And just trying to get behind that and you know help uh, just just help the the future generation of kids and just you know they're, they're, the 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 diseases that they're curing and everything. I mean, the cool thing about St. Jude as well, I know this is long-winded, but... No, it's all good, man. Everything that they learn and understand and figure out or cures that they come up, I mean, they, they freely share it with the world, which is just amazing. So, you know, one kid saved at St. Jude could be thousands of kids around the world because of this, you know, the research and everything that they're doing to, to find cures. So, again, the place is just amazing, and it's always going to be a place that I'm going to back and support. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, we're kind of running out of time here, Ryan. Really appreciate you <laughs> filling us in on your life from dirt bike racing to your family to coffee, St. Jude. I think we covered a yeah. lot of ground here, dude. Yeah, great catching up, and I appreciate the time today. Thank you. How can folks at home learn more about or stay in tune with what you got going on? Um, gosh, we. Um, I would say through... Uh, the, you know, the Instagram channels or the social media channels, I would say, you know, um, you know, the Ryan, my Ryan Dungey pages. So just my personal stuff. I mean, we're always sharing everything that we're doing on there and coming up and new things, exciting things, everything like that. I would say that that's probably the, uh, the, the main, the main, uh, source that you can find everything we're doing. And yeah, we got some good stuff, exciting stuff actually coming, coming, coming here in the next few months that I'm excited to share, but as well. So um, yeah, we're just hard at it and trying to, yeah, trying to keep her going. So, well, good man. We'll stay plugged into the Ryan Dungey Instagram channel. I think I'm gonna order some of that whole shot espresso today too, man. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, don't order anything. We'll we'll get you taken care of. <laughs> oh, thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Well, thank you again for joining us and uh, enjoy this nice spring day in Minnesota. And we hope to see you again here real soon. Absolutely, absolutely. I appreciate it. you. Have a good day that side. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Ryan.